Matthew chapter 6. All of Hollywood will gather tonight for the 89th edition of the Academy Awards, popularly known as the Oscars. And as you know, that golden statue is given in a variety of categories, from sound editing to costuming, from supporting actress to best actress. But the show reaches its zenith when the Oscar is awarded in the final category, the best picture of the year. And the clear favorite and the predicted winner for this year's best picture is a movie called La La Land, a movie about love and ambition and making it in Hollywood, which would make it a clear favorite among the Hollywood voters. Another part of the reason it is predicted to win is because it has already won several awards in the run-up to the Oscars. It won Best Picture at the Golden Globe Awards. It won Best Picture at the Critics' Choice Awards and at the, Builder, the Producers' Guild Awards, among several others. And what is remarkable is that actors and the movie industry love to celebrate themselves and give themselves awards. Now, we don't see televised award ceremonies to honor teachers or nurses or firemen, but it seems actors require an endless parade of red carpet celebrations and receptions and a never-ending spotlight to remind us just how wonderful and important they really are. And speaking of importance, polls indicate that this year's Oscars may suffer in the ratings. That is because the Oscars are no longer about actors thanking the Academy or thanking their fans. Instead, many of the acceptance speeches have now devolved into political lectures and personal attacks. And I'd like to propose a theory about that phenomenon. I suggest that, a, that the more a group of people increase in self-love and self-righteousness, the more they are going to criticize and attack others outside this group. Now, if that sounds familiar, then we may have a helpful touch point, a connection, as we hear Jesus describe the scribes and Pharisees. And that is because the scribes and Pharisees had a long history of pretending to be something that they were not. They were, in many ways, essentially actors. As we continue to hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and now move into chapter 6, Jesus begins a new section in his teaching. He continues to describe the practices of the scribes and Pharisees who depended on an external show of righteousness 
a religion of showmanship while they neglected their hearts. They believed that the world was their stage, a platform from which they could shine the light on themselves to demonstrate to the world just how good and wonderful they were. Everything they did was designed to gain the applause of men and enjoy the rewards of their performances. And that leads us to a key theme that appears throughout Christ's sermon. And that is, for believers, those who believe in Jesus Christ, to take a different course than the one that was followed by the scribes and Pharisees. Believers in Jesus Christ are called to reject every form of external showmanship and live our lives in such a way that we are not motivated by the applause of men, but by the love of God. Amen? Amen. And so, let's go please to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and have a closer look. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. We want to be careful that we don't hurry past Jesus' opening words in verse 1. Let's notice that he begins with the words, take heed, or as the NIV has it, be careful. Although he will describe the error made by the scribes and Pharisees, the purpose of this new section is to warn us as believers that we have to guard against a very common problem. Let's be sure that we recognize that Jesus is speaking to believers, to those who have or will put their faith in him. And it is to believers that he says we must stand guard against this very common and insidious problem. And the problem is this. When we do the things that God's word calls us to do, such as giving to the poor, we've got to be cautious that we do not allow our fallen nature to corrupt those efforts. If we were to do a survey of the entire Bible, we would find that charitable giving is a very important religious activity. In both the Old and the New Testaments, we find multiple scripture, scriptures where God commands and emphasizes the importance of assisting the poor. And here, in the passage that we are studying today, Jesus affirms the importance of giving to the poor. In verse 2, although we're not there yet, we will notice that when Jesus speaks about charitable giving, he does not say if 
you give. He says when you give. When you do a charitable deed. Now in verse 1, as Jesus reaffirms the importance of charitable giving, he also introduces the fact that this charitable giving may come with a risk. And that risk is that we may be tempted to shine the spotlight on ourselves. Let's have a closer look at verse 1. And what we discover is that Jesus highlights for us two important aspects in regard to our giving. The first aspect concerns the manner of our giving, while the second aspect, and that is the more important aspect, concerns the motive of our giving. So he speaks about the manner of our giving and more importantly about the motive of our giving. In regard to the manner of our giving, Jesus speaks about the scenario where our giving takes place in public. In verse 1, he says, Do not do your charitable deeds before men. But this requires a clarification, not from me, but from Jesus. You see, giving money in public, that in itself is not wrong. In fact, there are occasions when Jesus approves of public displays, of religious activity. And we will talk about those occasions in a moment. But the crux of the issue is not the manner of our giving, our public giving, perhaps, perhaps public giving. The issue comes with the second aspect of this giving, and that concerns the motive. The issue is when, as Jesus says at the end of verse 1, it is the case that our deeds are done before men in order to be seen by them. That's the key phrase. In other words, the problem is not giving in public, but doing it for the express purpose of being seen, of drawing the spotlight onto ourselves so we can be seen giving money in public. Now consider this. Every Sunday, the collection plate comes around. And if we are able, we put something in it. Now, in itself, there's nothing wrong with public giving. But if the plate came around and I were to say something like this to the people around me, gee, I hope there's room in that plate because I got a mighty big check to put in there. You see, there's a problem with that, right? So the problem is not the, the public giving. It's wanting to draw attention to ourselves, to be seen by men. Let's have a second look at the end of verse 1, where, it, it, it ta where Jesus talks about this giving when it's being done for the purpose of being seen. Now, that word that appears there, being seen, it, it's important in, in the English, but it loses some of the drama in English. Because the word there, to be seen, 
It is in the Greek the word theomai, theomai. It is from this Greek word that we get our English word theater. Let me say that again. It is from the, the word be seen, the, the word that is the phrase that's translated for us to be seen is from the Greek word theomai, and it is where we get our English word theater. Now, as we introduce this image of a theater into our minds, let's not think of a movie theater. Let's think of a theater where we would go to see a play, right, a stage play. And what that means is, for those Jesus is about to describe as hypocrites, these hypocrites see themselves as if they are on a stage where their religious deeds, including charitable giving, is meant to be a performance for them, to be seen giving money to the poor so people can know how good and wonderful they really are. But let's remember, the reason that Jesus is speaking about the public performances of the scribes and Pharisees is not to denigrate them, but to warn us, to warn us as believers, what? To take heed. Remember that in verse 1? Take heed. Be cautious, Jesus says. And the reason Jesus says we need to exercise this caution is because he also goes on to say in verse 1, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now again, we see that Jesus is speaking to believers. We know that Jesus is speaking to believers by the way he refers to the one who will bestow these rewards. He refers to God as your Father in heaven. You see, only those who are born again, who have become the children of God, only those can refer to God as Father. And so an important reason that such showmanship is to be avoided by believers is because it will put believers at the risk of loss. But not the loss of salvation. The Bible tells us that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are eternally secure. We cannot lose our salvation. But there is a risk when such activities are meant for showmanship that we can lose a reward. Jesus will explain this further in a moment. But for now, he intends to pose a question into the minds, he, 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 he wishes to pose a question in the minds of his listeners. And here's the question. Am I doing my religious activities for the sake of gaining the immediate applause of men, which is temporary and fleeting, or am I looking forward to the reward that only God can give and is eternal? and everlasting. Now, that would seem to be an easy choice, right? But if it were as easy as it sounds, Jesus would not have warned us as believers to take heed, to be careful. 
And so let's go on to verse 2 as Jesus continues his warning. Now in this verse, verse 2, he will tell us what not to do. And then in verse 3, he will tell us what we ought to do. So let's look at verse 2 where he focuses on what not to do. Therefore, Matthew 6, verse 2, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, that is to give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, don't miss this. The first and most helpful thing that will assist us is to take a closer look at this word hypocrites that Jesus uses. This is the first time that the word hypocrites appears in the book of Matthew. Therefore, it's the first time it appears in the New Testament. And it is the first of many times that Jesus will use this term to refer to the scribes and the Pharisees. And therefore, it's a very important word. Let me tell you why it's so important. This word hypocrite is a word that we, as English speakers, have borrowed directly from the Greek language. The Greek word hypocrites originally referred to a stage actor who performed in a play. You see, these play actors, these hypocrites, would hold a mask over their faces as they gave their lines. They were pretending to be somebody that they were not. And so they had a facade, an external image as they acted. But inside, behind the mask, they were something quite different. And so a hypocrite is somebody who acts the part. And so as Jesus speaks of these hypocrites doing their charitable deeds, giving money at the temple and on the street, they were like actors performing on a stage. Now, it's important to understand that in Jesus' day, the synagogues served as the chief agency to collect money from the community, and then the leaders of the synagogue would then distribute those funds to those who were in need. The largest percentage of money collected for the poor would take place inside the synagogue. But it's not surprising that the poor would also gather on the streets near the synagogue or at the marketplace where they could attract the attention of others and appeal directly for help. Now, given the state of men's hearts, it's also not surprising that some of the givers would use these settings at the temple and at the marketplace as a red carpet opportunity to draw attention onto themselves, to gain the spotlight. Here I am, I'm walking to the temple, I've got my flowing robes, and I'm going to drop some coins and make sure everybody sees me. Why? They were performing their, 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 their religious duty in such a way that they weren't performing it. It was for them a performance. 
They were hypocrites. They were stage actors doing what they were doing for the applause of men. Jesus says to believers, do not be like these stage actors. He says, do not sound a trumpet before you as these hypocrites, these stage actors do. Now, the meaning of the trumpet imagery is not precisely known. But scholars have outlined for us three possibilities about this trumpet imagery. Some have suggested that there was a custom when a very large donation was about to be made. It would be prearranged, right, with the rabbis. Before a very large donation was about to be made, a herald would blow the trumpet to make sure that everybody knew that there was going to be a large donation. However, clear evidence for this custom is lacking. A stronger case can be made for the second possibility. Some point out that in the synagogues of Jesus' day, there were metal receptacles inside the synagogue that were designed to receive the people's coins for donations. And these metal receptacles were shaped like a trumpet. So they were narrow at the bottom with a drum-like collection at the bottom. And they were narrow, but they were flared or fluted at the top. So they looked like trumpets. So if somebody wanted to give their donation, everybody would know. But it is the third possibility that is the most likely, not to discount the other two. In this view, Jesus is not necessarily speaking about blowing a literal horn or a collection bin that, shapes, that is shaped like a trumpet. He may be simply using the image of a trumpet to symbolically illustrate the act of giving as a way of gaining attention. We have an idiom, an idiom in our own language that corresponds directly to this. I think Joanne has already guessed what it is. When someone is engaged in self-promotion to advertise how good they are, what do we say they're doing? Blowing their own horn. You got it. Blowing their own horn to advertise how good they are. Right? Now, it's about this temptation that Jesus says we must be cautious about. We've got to take heed. And it is important to do so because it is an easy trap to fall into. One of the reasons we need to be careful is because there are actually some well-meaning Christian organizations that actually encourage this trumpeting behavior. Here's an example. I could give several, but I'll give you just one. Every year, Dawn and I attend a fundraising banquet for a local Christian service organization. Now, I won't give you the name because it's an important organization. It's important because they feed thousands of people in the area. They provide drug addiction counseling for many. 
And most importantly, they boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are successful in bringing people into the kingdom. But there's an aspect that occurs as part of their fundraising campaigns that ought to make Christians uncomfortable and should be recognized by this organization and other Christian organizations that it is contrary to the teachings of Christ. At this banquet, which is a, a fundraiser, the organization distributes a brochure that includes a list of its major donors. You may receive uh, brochures from other Christian organizations that list their big donors. And the one that I'm talking about in particular, it subdivides its levels such that you've got the gold level of givers, you've got the silver, you've got the bronze, you've got the friends, you've got the patrons. And when I see that list, especially those who are at the gold level, I can't help but think of those stage actors that are going to gather tonight eager to get their golden statues. Now at the top of this list, at the gold level, there are big companies like GE and Bank of America. And I understand why large corporations like that would want to be on that list. You know, while they say that the motive for their donation is they want to give back to the community, and that might be true. But underlying the, the, the real reason why they want to give is because they want to advertise themselves. And I'm not going to begrudge a large corporation for advertising itself. That's what it's in the business to do, to advertise itself. But the tragic and worrisome part is when Christian organizations like this one, there are many, and it seems that uh, this marketing strategy has leached into the Christian community, and it's accepted as, 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 as part of normal business, but it should not be. The, the tragic and worrisome part comes when Christian organizations encourage individuals to include their names on the list, to trumpet their participation. Or when some of the area congregations, such and such church is a big contributor, such and such church is a big contributor. When area congregations permit their church names to be included on this list of donors, it's a grievous situation because believers and churches blowing their own horn have forfeited their reward. Now, I'm grateful for these organizations. I'm grateful for churches that, that uh, give to these organizations. I'm grateful for the work that they do. But I, I tell you this for one reason. How important it is for us to take seriously Jesus' warning where he says, take heed. Take heed. Be careful that you do not give your charitable donations for the purpose of being seen. You see how insidious it is, how dangerous it is, because there is a strong temptation to want to draw the spotlight on for ourselves. But the question that must be asked is this. Why are we tempted to blow our own horn? Well, Jesus answers that question very clearly. He says this at verse 2, and you could look there. He explains that the hypocrites, the stage actors, sound the trumpet before them, quote, so that they may have the glory of men. 
When it comes to pinpointing the wrong motive, you can't get any clearer than that. Some will perform their charitable deeds not because they are responding to another person's need, but because they want to satisfy their own need for attention, literally to bring glory to themselves. But for those who seek the limelight, it comes with a serious cost, Jesus says. And that cost is revealed with a very sobering and very arresting statement. Jesus says at the end of verse 2, Assuredly, I say to you, they, those who seek the limelight, have their reward. Now, in this sentence where Jesus says, they have, there's a, that's a very particular vocabulary word in the Greek language because what that is is a word that was used almost exclusively for business transactions. And what Jesus is saying is that those who have done their good deeds for the purpose of being seen, they have their receipt stamped, paid in full. Meaning they've already received everything they were looking for and they should not expect to receive anything in the future. Specifically, they should not expect to receive anything from God. Why? Because God will not reward those who have sought their own glory. And the reason for that is obvious. All glory belongs to God. Amen? God himself declares in Isaiah 42 that he will not share his glory with another. So let's go please to verse 3 as Jesus now tells us the proper way to give. At verse 3, Jesus says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. Let's pause there. This will be a good point to address an objection that some critics of the Bible have raised some will make the claim that what Jesus says here contradicts something that he said earlier in the sermon. Here and in the following two examples regarding praying and fasting, Jesus says that these things should not be done as a matter of public display, but they ought to be done in secret. Critics will then point to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Look back at Matthew 5, verse 16, please, and you'll recognize this. Matthew 5, verse 16. At Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says this, speaking to believers, let your light so shine before men, why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so the critic will excitedly exclaim, well, I've got you now. In chapter 5, Jesus said, let men see your good works. But then in chapter 6, he says, do your good works in secret. Well, which is it, Mr. Christian? Well, the fact of the matter is this. There's no contradiction between those two statements. Because the deciding factor which determines whether our actions are going to be seen or kept secret is one of motive. You see, it's all about the desire of our heart. Notice again what Jesus says in verse 5. I mean, in the chapter 5 passage. Chapter 5, verse 16. 
He says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. But why? So that they can glorify your Father in heaven. And so here's the motive is that we want to do our good works to bring glory to God. But in chapter 6, while Jesus is speaking about the scribes and Pharisees, he reveals the danger of the impure motive. He says in chapter 6, if you are doing your good work for the purpose of blowing your own horn to gain the spotlight for yourself, the purpose of that was to gain glory for yourself. And if there is this danger of desiring to draw attention or glory to yourself, Jesus says, that is when we need to keep our deeds secret. On those occasions when we are tempted to draw attention to ourselves, to gain the glory of men, Jesus employs another visual piece of imagery in order to redirect us. Look at verse 3, please. Again, Matthew 6, verse 3. Jesus says, when you do a charitable deed, and there's the danger of self-promotion, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so Jesus uses a proverbial expression here that is meant to, to emphasize a high level of secrecy an especially high level of secrecy. And we know that because he goes on to say, so that your charitable deed may be done in secret. Now it's strange that Jesus is using this expression here about the right hand and the left hand. Here's why. At this point, we would expect an image that would illustrate Jesus' main point up to this part. And what kind of illustration we would expect would be something where he would highlight the importance of keeping our deeds secret from other people so as not to gain the glory from others. But what is strange about this illustration, about the right hand and the left hand, is that those right and left hands, they belong to the same person. So when the right hand gives, the left hand should remain unaware. And so what the effect is, is that Jesus is raising the bar of secrecy to an even higher level. What is likely in view here is that in terms of our charitable giving, listen, we ourselves should barely know what we've done. You see that? When our right hand gives, our left hand should be unaware of it. We should be largely unaware of what we ourselves have done. Well, you might think, well, how does something like that work? Well, here's one possible example. I'll ask you to consider the church's elder fund. Some churches call it their deacon fund. And whether those funds are administered by the elders or deacons, it is designed to help people, primarily in the church, but also outside the church, who are facing needs they cannot meet. Food, heat, bills that cannot be paid because of some, some issue, right? Now, we have in the church some money set aside from our yearly budget for that purpose, to meet needs for people who cannot meet them on their own. 
But of course, as the spirit moves, anyone is welcome to contribute to the elder fund at any point. At any point, you are welcome to come and say, I would like to contribute some additional funds to the elder fund. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot contribute to somebody directly who comes to your attention who is in need of help. But one of the advantages of the elder fund is that it lends itself to the arrangement where the right hand can give money where, without the left hand knowing what it's done. You see, there's some level of anonymity. When you give to the elder fund, you don't know exactly how or what your money is being used for. And in this way, it helps to isolate ourselves, insulate ourselves a little bit from congratulating ourselves for what a great work that we've done. You see, it's not only a danger of wanting the applause from others. We can applaud ourselves and give ourselves credit for how good and wonderful we are. And so in the last clause, Jesus gives the reason why our charitable giving ought to be done in secret. He says, your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now, once again, we see Jesus is speaking to believers. How do we know that? Because he refers to God as your father. For those who are born again and take heed, who are cautious not to do their charitable deeds for the purpose of being seen, there is awaiting for them a reward. A reward that is far greater than the applause and the glory that we might have received here in this world. And the reason for that is that God sees all things. God sees all things that are done in public and private. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And we tend to think about, oh, the bad things that I've done, God's going to see those. But look what the focus is that Jesus is talking. Jesus will see the good things that you do, he says. And you don't have to worry that they're not seen by men. Why? Because God sees it. While our charitable deeds may not be seen by men, they are always seen by God. And knowing that we are willing to forego the fleeting and temporary glory of this world, preferring instead to wait for God's eternal and everlasting reward that he will give to his own in glory. Tonight, at the Academy Awards. When the presenter asked, for the envelope, please, to see whose name is contained inside, we can be grateful that our names are in the Book of Life. Tonight, as the awards are given, and people say, and the Oscar goes too, let us remember that it is God who is our very great. Let's pray. Lord, as we think of what you have uh, spoken into our hearts today through your Sermon on the Mount, let it never become the place where we think that we have reached a place of self-righteousness. Lord, our righteousness is only because of what you have done for us on the cross. 
And because we have no self-righteousness of our own, we cannot judge or criticize others. And that is not our intention today. We don't look to Hollywood with scorn. We look at them largely with pity because many of them will celebrate themselves when they ought to be celebrating Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray for each and every heart who will be both on that show and who will be watching that show to recognize that what is most important is not the glory of men, but the glory of God. And for those who have received you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, we have awaiting for us the reward of heaven. Amen.